Hi everyone, I'm Tara Lawn. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with someone who's been on before, Dr. Jenny Yip. Dr. Yip is a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and a nationally recognized OCD and anxiety expert. Today we're doing a special episode on mental health and we're speaking directly to our youth. So I'm encouraging parents and guardians to please listen to the segment with your tween or teen. Hi, Dr. Yip, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being here again. I love when you're on, you're such a wealth of information. So I'm excited about today. Me too. So why don't you just give a little snippet into who you are? I know I gave a little bit of insight, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are? Well, I am a clinical psychologist. I'm the executive director of the Renewed Freedom Center. I am also on many different boards and committees for pediatric anxiety and OCD. And I am a mama of uh, six-year-old twin boys. Oh, fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right, wonderful. So again, today we're talking to our tweens and teens about mental health. But for those listening, why don't you just explain what mental health is and why it's important to keep it healthy? Well, I mean, mental health is just as important as your physical health, your medical health, because everything is is connected. If you're not healthy, uh, you know, physically, it's going to affect you cognitively, emotionally and mentally. And if you're not healthy, you know, uh, mentally and emotionally, it's going to affect you physically as well. So I think it's important to take your mental wellness um, just as seriously as your physical wellness. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of tweens and teens who are listening, they're probably thinking, okay, I hear this a lot about my mental health, but what are some practical ways that they can actually keep their mental health healthy? I think first it's acknowledging that, you know, we all have emotions. We all have, you know, thoughts that sometimes may not fit well with us or that we might be concerned about. And I think starting a conversation with other people is the most important thing. I think what's wrong with the, with mental health today is that there's so much stigma still today about mental health. And I think, you know, that's one thing of the pandemic. That's one of the silver lining of the pandemic that we have just gone through and may still be going through is that it highlighted how important our mental wellness was because uh, it shed a lot of light on how we all experienced anxiety and depression and did not have the proper tools and skills to manage our mental health effectively during the pandemic. So now we're in a mental health crisis where kids, uh, teens, tweens are not prepared for challenges, uh, emotional challenges, mental challenges that are occurring, whether it's occurring at school or at home or with uh, socially with peers or with sports. Um, so that's that's a big problem today. Right. Are, now, are there any practical steps? Like, let's say someone's listening now and they're thinking they want to be healthy mentally. Like, are there any practical steps you can think of that they can just take? Number one is starting a conversation with someone depending on who you're comfortable with, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's your school counselor, or maybe it's even a friend that that you have. I think first talking about, you know, the feelings that you have, maybe some uncomfortable thoughts that you have, that starts that conversation and decreases the stigma. And then, you know, if it gets to a point where, 
it's so significant, you know, then perhaps it's time to find a therapist who can help you with the specific challenge that you're having. Now, not all therapy is the same and not all therapists treat everything, you know, under the sun. So if you have a um, specific diagnosis, then you would want to find a therapist that treat that specific uh, condition. Before you find the therapist, you know, one thing that, you know, I always encourage kids to do is to journal. You know, I think since the digital age, we have, um, you know, not relied on paper and pencil as much as we used to. Journaling helps you process those uncomfortable emotions, helps you to uh, recognize some of the uh, challenges in your world, challenges in your thoughts. And sometimes through journaling, you can even come up with solutions um, through that process. So journaling is also an important step if you're not comfortable talking about this with another person just yet. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I love that idea. So for those tweens or teens listening, I mean, I know there's probably some things that are contributing to unhealthy aspects of mental health. Like I can think of like too much technology. Are there any other things that you can think of that might be playing a negative role in a young person's mental health? Technology has definitely, you know, it's a double-edged sword, to be honest with you. I mean, we rely so much on technology and when it's used in a healthy way, it's beneficial because it does connect us, you know, with our, with other people, especially like if I'm thinking about during the pandemic, it helped us stay connected with those we love, um, even when we couldn't physically be with another person um, or with our family members. However, too much technology also isn't very healthy, especially if all we're doing is we are relying on technology to distract ourselves. So a lot of times what happens for some people is when we're feeling anxious, if we're feeling depressed, we just want that mental escape. And how easily can our phone be used for that, right? It's right, right. there pockets. So we just pull out and we start doom scrolling, doom scrolling on, um, you know, TikTok and Instagram. And that's not always healthy because there's a lot of content out there that might not be appropriate. On top of that, people who are posting, you know, uh, information on the internet may not be completely reliable. They may not be factual information as we all know. Um, however, for a teen or a tween, that person may not realize the difference between what is factual and what's not. And if you're relying on the internet to give you information that may actually be more harmful than helpful, um, then you know that can affect your mental health. Also, a lot of teens especially start comparing themselves with um, whatever they see on, uh, you know, TikTok, Instagram. And, you know, during the pandemic and probably still now, body dysmorphic disorder, uh, eating disorders went skyrocketing because all we're doing is we're seeing ourselves on Zoom calls and, and virtual school uh, classes. And then we're comparing those images to what we see on TikTok, on Instagram. And, and that leads to a lot of body image dissatisfaction. Um, and of course, that's anxiety and depression. And then also if you're always on um, Instagram or, you know, 
TikTok, YouTube even, and you're just wanting followers, you know, and you're gaining your validation, your self-worth based on the number of followers you have, um, that's going to affect your intrinsic motivation, your your authentic confidence um, to, to feel good about yourself. So, you know, if you're using technology a little too much, you know, take time to detox from that. That means, you know, as, as a family, in my family, there are certain cutoff times, you know, when it comes to uh, screen time. We definitely don't have screen time at the dinner table. We don't do screen time during um, uh, certain times of the evening after dinner or, or yeah, before dinner, that's the cutoff time. And then, you know, I think every family needs to have their own rules about what fits well with your family, what feels right. Um, though as a family, having specific rules about screen time, and you want to start that practice early so that, you know, your, your children uh, can can adjust to those rules before they become an adolescent, which then it becomes much harder to enforce those habits. Right. Those are great insights. So you mentioned anxiety and depression. Are those the two most common types of mental illnesses that are on the rise among teens? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, definitely anxiety and depression. Suicide rates have gone up in the last, uh, you know, decade. Um, so, you know, I, I think what is also important to know is that there was a new uh, task force that came out that recommended that teens and, and, and kids 8 to 18 be screened at their annual uh, pedi- pediatrician visits for mm. anxiety and depression. Oh, that's uh, well, good. Anxiety specifically between the ages of 8 to 18 and then depression between the ages of 12 to 18. So by doing this, what we're hoping to achieve is recognition of you know, a, a, a kid's mental wellness early on, being able to detect symptoms that could contribute to anxiety and depression early on so that, you know, number one, we're, we're uh, decreasing barrier to, to treatment, right? Because it's being diagnosed and, and assessed early on. And then number two, if we're doing this in the pediatrician's office, then it's also decreasing the stigma that we have. You don't have to just go find a therapist, right? You're getting um, screened early on. So that also decreases a lot of the stigma and improves access to treatment for a lot of the kids these days who are suffering and who are unaware that they're suffering from a mental illness. Oh, that's so important. Um, And you mentioned having the screening done. Like, what if there's someone listening and they realize there's something going on with their mental health, but they just can't pinpoint what exactly it is? Can you just explain simply what anxiety is versus what depression might look like? Right. So anxiety, you know, that that's the thing. Anxiety will look different depending on the child and depending on the age. There are a lot of kids, especially the younger ones, 
who are, you know, constantly throwing tamper tantrums. And then you have parents who, who are confused, like, why is my child constantly throwing these tamper tantrums? And a lot of times, you know, it's driven by anxiety. Anxiety is, is basically when your fight or flight response gets triggered because you're perceiving some threat to your, to your well-being. Now, the threat can be different for, you know, for for every child the threat could be i don't feel safe about you know my school with all of the sh school shootings that are currently occurring um i don't feel safe about going to a sleepover i don't feel safe about being away from my parents so this can look more like separation anxiety where the kids would become very clingy very needy constantly wanting to know if everything is going to be okay constantly checking with parents about where they are checking about their schedules if they're like even a minute late um you know the, the kids might start having a meltdown um so that's more separation anxiety or it could look something like social anxiety where the kids are fearing being bullied at school being rejected at school being disliked on their um on their sports team or being not good enough uh, on their sports team. Uh, it could look like um, a, a fear of perfectionism, fear of failure in academics. So fear of not getting things done just right, not um, excelling, getting straight A's. And then you'll find these kids who are over pre preparing for their quizzes and their tests, or they're spending hours and hours at the sacrifice of sleep to get their work done perfectly. Or you'll find that they're constantly irritable because they feel like they're just not doing things good enough. You know, so that can be more of the academic uh, uh, perfection. There's also, I mean, there's so much anxiety, so much, so many different types of anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. um, there's also illness anxiety where a, a child may fear getting sick. And, and this was very apparent during the pandemic. You know, we had a lot of kids who feared getting uh, COVID. And they would refuse to go to school even when school opened back up or they would, uh, you know, they might start developing obsessive compulsive disorder where they're constantly washing their hands and, and sanitizing their phones and, and not touching doorknobs and not touching anyone. Um, it's gotten you know, sometimes we, we've even had a few of the kids here who would even stop hugging their own parents because, um, you know, they fear that they could either have the, the virus and give it to their parents or give it to their elderly grandparents or, you know, they could get it from somebody else. So, I mean, there are so many triggers for anxiety disorders. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that any time when you have a child who is, you know, asking for reassurance more than, you know, uh, more than what's typical, they're excessively uh, repeating certain behaviors or they're, they're uh, constantly feeling like they're on edge, you know, then that those are very apparent symptoms for an anxiety disorder. Now, whereas depression, um, you know, this is this is the opposite of anxiety. You know, so if you think of anxiety as an increase in your energy um, toward 
the effort of preventing a threat, preventing a harm. Depression is the opposite. Depression is a decrease in energy. And with these kids, you'll see that they start losing interest in things that they ordinarily enjoy. Um, they start losing interest in their friends, in family activities, in in sports, in video games. You know, um, that's a huge one. If you have a kid who just all of a sudden uh, isn't interested in playing video games, or they're constantly trying to distract themselves from you know, their uncomfortable emotions. And these are kids who might distract themselves through, um, you know, just TV all the time, you know, being on their phones all the time. Um, they're, they're, they, you might see weight changes, you know, either an increase or decrease in weight. You might see uh, an increase or decrease in sleep. So depression is kind of the, you know, the opposite in terms of energy level. Now, that doesn't mean that a, a kid can have both. You know, some kids will have both anxiety and depression. So if you imagine, you know, if you're constantly, if your mind is constantly being bombarded by these uncomfortable thoughts of potential harm, of potential threat to your safety, of potential uh, rejection from your peers, of potential failure academically um, or in sports, then of course you're going to feel uh, dissatisfied. You're going to feel unhappy. You're going to feel a little depressed. However, that is the depression would be secondary in those situations. And therefore, if we get the anxiety uh, treated, then we will see the depression subside because it's secondary to anxiety. Whereas if a kid is just depressed, we would want to help them recognize the unhealthy thoughts that are contributing to their negative emotions, help them uh, switch their their activities. So even if you're dissatisfied, even if you're if you don't if you're fatigued, even if you don't feel like getting out of bed, you know, we have to schedule activities for these kids, because the truth is, you know, we, if we change our behaviors, it will change our thinking and our emotions, right? So our emotions are triggered from thoughts and it determines what we do with ourselves, determines our behaviors. So if we are able to even shift our behaviors to um, activities, even if we don't feel like it, you know, a lot of times you'll find that your mood will also change because you're also shifting your, your thoughts, you're expanding your, your comfort zone. So those are some examples. Apologies for going on and on. Oh, and no, on. those were really good. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, and those were good examples on how to maybe get themselves out of that situation, like whether it's depression or, or anxiety even. So what if a person is to the point where there's nothing that they can do to get themselves out of that feeling of anxiety or depression and they actually do need help? Like what steps should they take as a teen or tween to get that help? Well, there are a couple of... Uh... Uh, websites that are reputable for them to uh, look into. So uh, the first one that I would recommend is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. 
that's ADAA.org. Um, there's also, uh, if, if you have a kid who's suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, you would want to go to the International OCD Foundation, uh, which is IOCDF.org. There's also NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And, uh, you know, another one that I uh, always recommend parents to go to is the um, Child Mind Institute. Um, so those are some resources that you will find a lot of information about, you know, anxiety, depression, or even other mental illnesses. And then, you know, it's about finding a therapist. And when you are looking for therapists, so some of these websites have therapy therapist directories that you can find a therapist in your local area. And then I think for parents just to know, you know, I think it's important to interview your therapist. You know, it's it's interviewing your therapist, finding out have they treated this condition, what treatment method do they use to treat this condition? Because, you know, the evidence-based treatment for anxiety and depression is, is cognitive behavior therapy. The problem is not all mental health clinicians treat using cognitive behavior therapy, even though this is the evidence-based treatment. So you want to interview your treated um, with this condition. And the more informed you are, um, then the more prepared you will be in interviewing your therapist and then selecting one that works. I will say that, you know, because we do currently have a mental health crisis, you know, a lot of therapists, there's a wait time. So rather than waiting till the last minute to make that phone call, it would be more beneficial to make that phone call and start interviewing early on and then getting yourself on that wait list so that, uh, at least you have an option. That's good. So what about the teen or tween who's listening? Maybe their parent is not on with them or you know, maybe they just found out about this episode and they're listening and they realize they need help. Could they call those numbers directly or is there another avenue they should take if they know that they need immediate help? Like, should they talk to someone first or should they make a phone call? Well, if you're under 18, you would need your parents involved. So you will need your parents or a guardian involved to to establish that. So, you know, I would print out information and, and share it with your parent or guardian. And, you know, because this is a family decision, just like a child cannot just go to a pediatrician to get treated um, without a parent's involvement. Who, if you're under 18, you know, that's the same with mental health, you would need a, a guardian or a parent uh, to be involved in this process. So these are family decisions uh, to be made. However, that doesn't mean that you cannot go on these websites to get the information that you need to learn more about what anxiety disorder you might have or learn about what tools uh, might be helpful for depression, or even if you if you have suicidal ideations, you know, there's a hotline that you can call. Um, so it's important to get all of this information, and then share it with your family. Yeah, and I was going to mention the suicidal ideations as well. There may be some listening that have those thoughts. Uh, would you also recommend, let's say they're at school, and they're listening and should they talk to a teacher? Would you recommend that if they don't feel comfortable talking to their parent about it? Like what avenue would you yes, advise? Absolutely. Talking to a trusted teacher, talking to your a 
coach, talking to your school counselor, um, you know, talking to an adult who can then help you uh, take next steps if you're not comfortable talking with with a parent. Okay. Now, what if they've shared some information with a friend? Like, how should that friend respond to that information? I think it's important to, you know, if it is a serious situation, you would want to to encourage your friend to go seek help, uh, whether by calling the suicide hotline or um, by talking to an adult. And, you know, what I would also do is if you don't think your friend is going to consult with an adult, um, then I would want to share that information with an adult directly. Mm -hmm. And I also want to mention that whoever's listening that this is nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't mean that you're weak because you're having a mental health issue. Statistically, it's on the rise. I mean, you probably have the numbers, Dr. Yip. Like statistically, how how many young people are might be suffering with anxiety and depression? You know, it's it's uh, you know, 50% of the population is suffering from anxiety and depression. And, you know, um, the problem is, you know, only 50% of those numbers actually get help. So that means there are another 50% of people who are not getting any help at all, either because they're unaware or they uh, feel ashamed, but those are some serious numbers. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Yip. Is there anything else that you think is worth mentioning for this episode? I think the most important thing, as you've said earlier, is that there's nothing to be ashamed of, just as your mental health is equally, if not even more important than your physical health. Because Mm -hmm. without your without your brain working the most effectively, it's going to affect your physical wellness as well. So prioritizing it. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you. So where can people find out more about you and what you do your services? I know you mentioned it earlier, but where can people find you directly? Yeah, you know, you can find me at the renewedfreedomcenter.com or you can find me on dryip.com. I'm also have uh, uh, Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. So you you can find me on those avenues as well. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you're a young person listening today and are struggling with thoughts of suicide or feel like you're in an emotional crisis with no one to talk to, please dial the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Again, that number is 988. 